for Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. And we're going to be doing a special episode of episode reviews from the original Voltron, Voltron Defender of the Universe back in 84-85. If you've been following us on, on past episodes, you'll know that uh, we, we started at episode number one and we worked up to episode number 20 so far. And in this episode, we are going to be reviewing episodes 21, 22, 23, and 24. And as always... I love to have this guy on. He's a he's a very special guest that we had originally for Devil's Due Publishing series that he had written the, as a comics writer uh, for Voltron, and now we've we've had him back for several episodes doing episode reviews. I want to welcome back Dan Jolly. Welcome, Dan. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I think the the truth is you just can't get rid of me. <laughs> Well, once a Voltron fan, always a Voltron fan, right? <laughs> right. Isn't that true about all the Voltron fans you've ever met? Uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, to to varying degrees of enthusiasm and occasionally outright insanity. <laughs> I probably lean toward the insanity side. Sorry about that. No, but, no, no, you're fine. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, I do want to make a special announcement here. Okay. We've been following this news uh, recently that came out and we're finding out that there's a brand new Voltron comic coming out from Dynamite in September called Voltron from the Ashes. And the story that we've gotten so far is just that the writer's name is Colin Bunn. The artist's name is Blackie Shepard. And the first cover was done by Alex Milne. We're expecting this to be a six-issue series starting in September. And we do have a quote from the writer Colin Bunn. He says, You don't grow up in the day and age of my childhood without developing a deep and abiding love for Voltron. So writing the adventures of such an iconic giant robot is a real thrill and a treat. With this story, I hope to show a couple of different sides of Voltron. One vibrant and exciting like the old cartoons, and one a little more dark and even frightening. This dichotomy should be a lot of fun for readers and allow me to explore different sides of the characters involved. For me, Voltron has this mythic quality that I really want to delve into, and I'm excited to see what fans think of my contribution to the Voltron legend. So Dan, have, have you uh, come across Colin Bunn before? Um, I know of him. I don't know him. Um, I know that he's a, uh, a highly regarded comics creator. Okay. Uh, so, and you know, the, the statement that you just read from him in many ways mirrors the, the kinds of things that I said when I was writing the series back in whenever that was 2004. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what they do. Well, uh, Colin Bond has, has been known for doing things such as Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe for Marvel Comics, and he did uh, a series called The Damned, 
and a series called The Sixth Gun for Oni Press. So uh, if anybody else has heard about that, uh, you'll know what, what you're getting into with uh, Colin Bunn for Voltron. So we're looking forward to that in September. Uh, I'm also looking forward to going to San Diego Comic-Con for the third year in a row, coming up in about a week and a half. And uh, I'm looking forward to any, you know, I'm not expecting a whole lot of Voltron information to come out of this. Um, I'm expecting a lot of Warner Brothers and Star Wars stuff, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if we hear anything. And of course, if I do hear anything, I'll report it to you guys on the podcast. And how about you, Dan? What are you, what are you up to these days? Well, it's, this, I've said stuff like this before. One of the hazards of being a, a creator and especially a freelance type most of the time you're working on something, you can't say anything about it. I mean, especially if it hasn't debuted yet. You know, if if I were in the third year of a comic book series, of course, everybody would know what I was doing. I maybe couldn't talk about what was coming up exactly, but I could talk about the series itself. Right. Uh, the, two, the two projects I'm working on now, one is a video game, and uh, the other is a uh, a new series of novels, of actual prose novels. Wow, and I can't say a word about either one. <laughs> that uh, has to be one of the toughest things. Just well, to keep okay. your mouth shut. I'll, I'll say this: they're both going to be really good. Oh, that, <laughs> I, I pretty much am assured of that. Anything that comes out of you is pretty good. So, <laughs> well, thank you. That's very kind. Well, I've I've also seen other people that have remarked about that too. So I know I'm not alone in that. So I I do follow your Twitter feed, you know. Uh, my scarce Twitter feed, <laughs> sparse would be a better word. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, I've, I've had some family things going on in the <clears throat> sort of the, the first half of this year was taken up with that. So <clears throat> the, the, the infrequent contributions I make to social media got even less frequent. Uh, but I'm trying to come back to that, trying to, to get better. Uh, just posted a, a new, uh, installment of, of my sort of travelogue, uh, an American dev in Poland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, coming, coming up on uh, a time when I got poisoned over an Easter break. Uh-huh. <laughs> that should be an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm having a good time with it. I, uh, apparently a lot of people in Poland are, are reading it closely. Wow. You know, they're they're very curious to hear my perspective on their country. Okay, that's cool. All right. Uh, if you don't have anything else, right? You don't have anything else? I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> nothing. What do you say we get into these episodes, all right? Yes, let's do that. Voltron will be back after these messages. <laughs> and now, back to Voltron, Defender of the Universe. For episode 21, uh, the Voltron title is called It'll Be a Cold Day, and the Golion title is Altia's Sister Planet. We start with Lotor. Lotor is remarking about how all of his plans to defeat Voltron and conquer Eris are beginning to bear fruit, since he has captured Princess Ramel of Planet Pollux. Her people have to bow to his demands. And so must her cousin, Princess Alora. He visits Rommel in her prison cell, and he tells her that despite the dark and dingy cell, she remains beautiful, and he tries to kiss her. She slaps him, 
and tries to hit him with a rock. He stops her arm and calls her spirited. She says she knows his plan to throw her in the pit of skulls. He says he's going to use her as bait to attract the ultimate prize, and he carries her away. Yeah, not not quite the way it goes in the Go Lion episode. All right, what happens? And that, I I have to wonder exactly who was the audience for this show in Japan. Yeah, because like the narrator, there's a, a narrator. He doesn't uh, have a lot of uh, on-screen time, but uh, he makes mention of the the tragedy of uh, of the princess. Um, I'm not sure if the proper way to say the name in the Japanese version is Amu or Amue. Okay, I don't uh, know what that is. It, it's transliterated A-M-U-E. Uh, but mostly they call her Hime, or princess. Uh, okay. But uh, he, the narrator refers to her tragedy as Lotor's plaything. And the reason he's able to carry her, the reason Lotor is able to carry her out of the cell uh, that we don't see in the American version is he gives her a karate chop to the back of the neck and knocks her unconscious. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, and the I, I mean I know that this is a, a podcast for kids, but man, this is some subject matter that's not for kids. Mm-hmm. Because it's pretty clear that Lotor isn't going to go use her as bait. He's just going to go use her. Right. It, she's she's like. She's she's good enough for now until he can get his hands on Allura. Okay. Yeah, it's uh I mean Lotor is just a freaking monster. Well, there's there's other women in that prison cell too. Mhm. So probably the same thing, right? Bro- well, you know, uh the princess here holds a a special place in his heart or or perhaps his loins um just because she looks like Allura. And yeah, it's it's definitely implied that he's been uh, taking his time with the others as well. But uh, yeah, the princess definitely gets more attention. Okay, well, later she comes back into the prison cell and falls to the floor. And she starts remembering what Lotor did to ruin the happy life she had on Polux. She recalls how her father, the king, went crazy and they made Prince Bandor the ruler. So, Lotor captured her and is now keeping her as bait. The other women in the prison cell tried to help the princess. They try to give her some water and try to comfort her. They remark about how cruel it is that he treats her so bad. And some of them talk about trying to escape. Well, Ramel has a plan. She suggests that they build a fire. Now, we don't really see any part where they actually build a fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you don't right. in Go Lion either. Yeah, so so however this fire was started and however actually they got out of the cell, we'll never know. Right. But as a fire blazes, the drill soldiers sound the alarm, and Ramel and the other captives are wrapped in cloths around their head. They make their way to a space cruiser and take off. While Zarkon is having a feast for his men to celebrate the universal power that will soon be theirs, Lotor gets the news from one of his men that Princess Ramel has escaped and Captain Mokor is pursuing her. Anything different on this end? Uh, well, uh, Sincline, the, the Japanese version of Lotor, right. um, he's, he's a little bit like, in the American version he says, uh, oh, uh, we have to go after her. Or words to that effect. 
-hmm. And he's a lot angrier in the Japanese version. And he, he calls her a word that rhymes with witch. And uh, I believe says he's going to cut her to pieces. Wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in, in the Voltron version, Lotor claims he'll get the wench himself. Yeah. So that's the word he uses, wench. Yeah, a little milder. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does go after her. And as his ship catches up to Ramel's cruiser, he fires stun lasers at it because he doesn't want her injured. Well, the attack is way too much for them to take. Ramel looks for somewhere that they can land, and she sees the ice planet Neve. They make a forced landing, but before they do, Ramel sends a message to her brother, Prince Bandor, on, on Polux to tell him that they're crash landing on planet Neve. I really would love to know how the uh, the original writers come up with the names that they the use planet. in here. Of the planets? Because, well, of all the names, really, but uh, the planet that they land on in Golion is Planet Russell. Sounds like a person's name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. R-U-S-S-E-L, Russell. Wow. Okay, that must have been uh, somebody who founded the planet, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> or they thought it sounded cool. I don't know. Do you think the Japanese tried to use, like, American names that... that... Americans would, would recognize because they thought that maybe Americans would be watching this? Um, perhaps, yeah, because, um, you know, a lot of the, in fact, maybe all of the signage that you see in the Castle of Lions is in English. Uh, you know, it says control room on the wall in English. And right. When, uh, uh, Koran is tapping keys on his big control panel. It's, there's, it's you know, the, the numerals are Arabic numerals, just like we use. So, yeah, I, I think this was probably made with an American audience, or at least English-speaking audience in mind. Okay. So we're, we're back to them crash landing on planet Neve. Uh, Lotor is worried that the Voltron force may have picked up Rumel's message, and it would mean trouble. So Hagar tells Captain Mokor to... Go to Planet Neve and hold Princess Ramel until Hagar arrives. Well, as it turns out, the Voltron Force were monitoring the situation from the control room in the Castle of Lions on Eris. Keith says that there's no time for discussion. Get to the Lions and move out. They form Voltron and they head toward Neve. Along the way, they encounter Prince Bandor's ship and they both look for Ramel's ship. As they land near Ramel's ship, they do something we haven't seen pretty much in any of the previous episodes, I think. They deactivate Interlock and disengage as the lions separate. Have we seen that before? I don't think so. I don't think they separated until after a, a battle had been won previously. Right. So that was, that was something new. Yeah, and it, you know, if you're uh, trying to... Uh, execute a search plan it would make sense to have you know multiple points of view spread out cover more ground right which is what bandor's group does too because out of his ship comes an explorer vehicle to look for the signs of rumel mm -hmm. and with Alora, cheesy the mouse appears out of her collar like uh, it seems like he stowed away so she keeps him safe inside her uniform. And as Bandor's team and the Voltron Force 
reach Rumel's ship, Alora sees a piece of Rumel's dress, and she picks it up. While the doors close behind her, she sees Rumel on the ground and goes to her only to find out it's a trap set by Hagar. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Rumel and the other women have been captured pretty much the whole time. Like, they landed and got captured. <laughs> and we didn't see any of it. Right. Although in the Golion version, uh, uh, Honerva, the witch, the Hagar character, actually tells the, um, the Galara commander, uh, hey, I've got an idea. Go to the ship, capture everybody. I'll be there in a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, that's more and, than we got here. Yeah, and, and just a, a tiny little bit of extra flavor. Um, after the, the, the mouse, whose name in the Go Lion version is Platt, yeah. another name that makes me wonder where it came from, mm-hmm. uh, when uh, the princess puts him back in her jumpsuit, Lance, uh, presumably to himself, I'm hoping it's just to himself, he says, I wish I was Platt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. Well... Uh, coming back to the mouse, in this case, in the Voltron version, he's called Cheesy. This is a trap set by Hagar. Cheesy comes out of Alora's uniform and sees through Hagar's disguise, because Hagar is sort of disguised as Rommel. Mm-hmm. Hagar is, of course, disgusted by the mouse. The rest of the two teams appear, and Hagar reveals her true self and says she, she has a surprise for your mouse. And, of course, the cat Kova... Goes after Cheesy, but Pidge uses some acrobatics to kick away the cat. Bandor goes after Hagar, but she knocks him down. And the Voltron force fire at Hagar with their pistols, but she makes a windstorm to blow them back. Yeah, Hagar is uh, is no slouch. No. I mean, she can uh, dish it out really well in hand-to-hand combat. It's pretty impressive. Right. And and she quickly takes Bandor away with her in a in a transport vehicle. The rest of the Voltron force chase after them in the Lions. Somehow they lose track of her in the pursuit. Lotor appears in his ship and shows that he has Rommel and Bandor. Lotor promises their freedom if Alora gives herself up to him. He gives them two minutes to accept his generous offer. Otherwise, say goodbye to Ramel and takes out his laser sword. So this is all the same on, on Golion, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the same. It brings up an interesting point, actually. Um, in both versions, Lotor gives the team two minutes to decide. Okay. So, uh, you know, it seems clear that the American adapters here had access to the scripts, for this particular one, uh, for the well, yeah, for this particular, well, at least for this particular part. Okay. Um, but there's a there's another part coming up where it doesn't seem like they did. Uh, okay. So so yeah, that'll be uh, well, we'll get to that shortly. Okay. Well, Alora is thinking that this might be the only way to save them. Keith says there has to be another way. Well, Keith notices that there's a nasty storm starting to develop. And he tells Alora to go to Lotor and leave the rest to him. The others think he's crazy. He tells them to trust him. There's no time to explain. So they both get out of their lines. 
and Keith tells Lotor they accept his offer. He tells Lotor she's on the way, but he wants the others released at the same time. Lotor pushes Ramel and Bandor towards Keith, tells them no tricks. Keith tells Alora to go, but go slowly. Meanwhile, Hagar tells Mokor that once Alora gets close, send a row beast to destroy the lions. Keith uses a magnetic belt to attract snow to him to make him nearly invisible as he's walking through the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the part that I was talking about because I, I got to that part and I was thinking snow is not magnetically <laughs> sensitive. <laughs> you know, this is, this is kind of a bizarre thing. I, and I was really wondering, like, you know, the old joke about the bat mouse compartment. Do the Voltron uniforms have like a, a Voltron snow attractor? <laughs> no, he gets to that point and he says, here, I'll turn off my suit heater. That's, that's, that... all it, that's all it is. The suits are heated. And that's, that's why snow wasn't accumulating on him. So he turns the suit heater off and lets snow pile, on, pile onto the suit. Okay. Makes so much more sense. Yeah, this... this uh... This type of device, I, I can't see how it would have hardly any uses. <laughs> right. You know, other than the one that he's doing right now. You know, there's probably some scientist saying somewhere, see, I told you you were going to use it, see? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's in Goliath. He's making his way up through the snowstorm covered in snow and pretty well disguised. Yeah, he, he walks past Ramel and Bandor, hoping that they won't, you know, give him away. And then he walks towards Lotor. Lotor tells the Robies to attack. Punk, Lance, and Pidge start fighting it in their lions. Keith reveals himself to Lotor, pulls his gun. The Cobra the Cat attacks him, which gives Lotor time to get to his laser sword and go after Keith. Stupid cat. <laughs> Always showing up at the wrong time. <laughs> Bandor uses his gun to knock the sword out of Lotor's hands. He gives Keith his weapon and tells Keith he has to help his friends defeat the Roe Beast and they'll take care of Lotor. Well, Keith warns him not to, but Bantor attacks Lotor first and gets knocked down. Ramel attacks next and Lotor picks her up and just carries her away to his ship, which takes off. Well, Keith reassures Bandor they'll get Ramel back. He gets back in Black Lion and they form Voltron. Voltron goes after the Roe Beast, gets knocked on his back, gets up, grabs the Roe Beast, and throws it down. Then they form Blazing Sword, jumps up and slices the Roe Beast twice as it explodes. Then Voltron goes after Lotor's ship. Keith demands that Lotor give up Ramel and return her to their home planet. They'll follow him every inch of the way. Lotor, not having his support forces, has to concede and comply. So they end up on Pollux, and Ramel is apparently back, even though we we don't really see her at the end there. Oh no, we don't, do we? No. Yeah, not uh, not that happy an ending in Go Lion. Okay, uh, what happened after? After well, the the Robeast fight is exactly the same. Uh, all the stuff with uh, uh, it's it's Prince Alor and uh, uh, Princess Amu. All that stuff is the same, but uh, 
after Voltron attacks Lotor's fleeing ship. Um, the ship blows up, but we see an escape pod escape. And mm -hmm. that's got Lotor and uh, the princess in it. And we cut to a shot of, uh, of her brother uh, fallen to the ground back on the planet Russell there crying because his sister is gone. They don't get her back. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, not a, not a great ending there. Ooh. In fact, the, uh, the narrator, he basically says, Kogane and the others had no words with which to console Prince Alor. And only now did they realize the tenacity of evil. What is the fate of Altea's sister planet? And when will the day come when Golion overcomes evil? Wow. Roll, roll credits. That's, wow, that's a completely different ending. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty grim. Huh. Okay. Just, well, dude, just doing my part to cheer you all up. <laughs> I was having such a good time there at the end, too. <laughs> And um, I, I don't maybe maybe you know because it has slipped my mind. Do we ever see uh, Romel again? Well, we do with with Sven later on in this in the series. Ah, uh, okay, all right. Well, maybe she's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So th there still has to be a romance between Romel and, and Sven. Voltron will be back after these messages. <laughs> and now. Back to Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Well, let's move on to episode 22. We have uh, the Voltron title is called The Deadly Flowers, and the Golion title is called Phantom Space Flowers. Definitely a flowery theme going on here. Mm -hmm. And in, in the beginning of this, we actually have a narrator that tells about how strange, delicate seed pods floated to the planet's surface and were absorbed by the rich soil of Aris. They eventually grew and blossomed into beautiful flowers. The white and pink blooms filled the air with a clean, fresh scent. Everyone on Aris loved them, even the space mice, who brought some of the flowers to Allura. Now, of course, <laughs> that's, you know... As, as they set it up to be nice hunky-dory and everything, on planet Doom, Lotor and Hagar explain their plan to Zarkon. Soon, all the people who smell the flowers will become very ill, including the Voltron Force. Then Zarkon can capture the planet at his leisure. Right? Simple plan, right? That's never been done by Hagar before, right? <laughs> Eros just can't have anything nice. Yeah, I, I continue to see, you know, similar things happening where Hagar comes up with a plan and, you know, in the beginning, uh, Zarkon's a little bit uh, skeptical, but then when he hears how the, the whole plan's going to play out, then he feels like she's the most brilliant evil person on the, in the universe, mm -hmm. you know, and I just don't get it. Don't you remember all those times before where her plan failed? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, um, well, you know, the, he, he tries to, Zarkon tries to stay in his comfort zone. Okay. I, I guess. I don't know. It's and, a good question. And is, is this, uh, 
brought together the same way on goal line? Um, let's see. I don't think that we cut to Planet Doom or, or Galra, as it's called. Uh, I think we just saw people falling over. Ah, okay. Well, on Aris, Karan shows the team video of people passing out all over Aris. <laughs> Every person who smelled the flowers became very ill. Alora tells Karan to call Dr. Gorma. Dr. Gorma tells him they don't have any technology that can cure the disease. It's completely alien to them. However, there are flowers on planet Lyra that may help. That's L-Y-R-A. Lyra. It, it may be the antidote that they need. Well, Lance comes in after having burned the flowers, because he was told to burn the flowers, and Hunk tells them that they have to go to planet Lyra. Yeah, interesting name choice. Uh, they, I don't know why they felt like they had to change it, uh, because in the Go Lion episode, they need the, the Amazonia flower from uh, planet Amazon. I'm, okay. I'm assuming, it, since it's named after the planet, uh, that it's extremely important to them. Uh, I mean, it, it, and it clearly is, as we find out. Or I don't know, maybe the, uh, maybe the planet was named after the, after the flower. But, uh, okay. you know, I, I don't know that Lyra is objectively superior to Amazon. It could have been named, the planet could have been named after the flower because apparently, as we find out later, the, the, the people worshipped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, well, we'll get there. Okay. Um, well, Karan tells the team that Lyra has a powerful magnetic force that makes it impossible to operate their spacecraft. They will need special equipment. Alora says, what about Blue Lion? She says it's designed for use underwater. Planet Lyra's magnetic pull loses its power in water. Almost word for word the same as the Go Lion. Wow. Okay. Well, just then, she falls victim to the illness of the flowers, and she, she collapses. Nanny tells them she has a burning fever and tells Lance to get the doctor. <laughs> This is the funny part, because instead of getting a doctor, which Alora really needed, Lance takes Blue Lion without consulting with the team first. And for once, Blue Lion and her pilot are the same color. Right. <laughs> Lance is trying to be the hero here, and as he arrives on Lyra and starts surveying for the flower that they need, we see Lotor has already taken up residence with King Mag, Hagar's also with them, and orders local soldiers to capture the pilot of the Blue Lion, which they assume is Laura. They don't know it's Lance yet. Just a, a little tiny side note, I was just confirming here. Yeah. Uh, in the Go Lion version, Lan uh, Nanny does not tell Lance to go get a doctor, and he ignores her. She actually says it uh, just sort of like, somebody get a doctor, somebody get her to the hospital. Right. And um, uh, I think it's Keith who says, uh, okay, and like while that conversation is going on, Lance just sneaks out. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go solve this problem on my own. Lance thinks he sees something, and he climbs to the top of a waterfall, and he finds a substance in a pool that tastes just like honey. While he's distracted by that, he gets attacked by locals with arrows. Locals are like dressed in like tunics. Their leader's name is Farla, who asks what their alien intruder is doing there. Lance tells her he needs a special flower that will cure a sickness that affected the people on his planet and his princess. 
Well, Farla says that the Rose of Lyra is worshipped by their people for generations, and they guard them with their lives. Anyone who takes them without permission will be punished. Well, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> what's what's she, Lance's next move? Hmm, should I ask for permission? She's uh, she's a little more stringent about it in the Go Lion version. Cause, oh, really? Because, uh, yeah, Lance uh, dips his finger in this strange unknown substance that he happened to run across in a what looks like a little volcanic cauldron type thing and eats part of it which I got to say, I wouldn't do. But, uh, but yeah, he gets attacked by these people, and their, their leader, her name is Amy, uh, A-I-M-E-E. Okay. But, uh, but she says, basically, what are you doing? Uh, that's that's, the, that's the, the honey from the Amazonia flower. Anyone who steals it uh, is to be put to death. And he, and he says, but, but wait, wait, I'm from... I'm from uh, uh, Planet Eris, I'm here trying to, to get this medicine for our sick people and our sick princess, and I, I need some, some of the Amazonia flowers. And she says, oh yeah, well anybody trying to steal the Amazonia flowers is to be put to death. <laughs> so at how, least w- how does without, he get out of that? W- without permission. And he says, well then give me permission. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then she says, now let's let's take him to the king. Yeah. In, in Voltron, she says only their supreme ruler can grant that permission. So they take him away to the king, and he's actually bound with his arms behind his back. So Lotor strikes Lance and asks why he has deceived them, because they thought it was supposed to be Alora in Blue Lion. Farla explains that he needs their flowers to cure his people and his princess on Aris. So Lotor understands now why Lance is there and seems concerned, actually really concerned about the princess. Yeah, he's not quite that concerned. Right. Uh, in the Go Lion, he says, "Oh, Honerva, your plan wasn't such a bust after all." Uh, you see, here's a quote: "Now I can bury Go Lion and make princess fall on mine." Yeah, he's, he's he seems to be he seems to feel uh, it's just fine that she's sick and on the verge of death because now she'll be weak. Well, yeah, he applauds Hagar for the plan working. The princess is down, and they have another member of the Voltron Force captive. So Voltron is done. That's it. Right. Right. Game over. He's such a creep. <laughs> Well, Lance Lance manages because when he got pushed back, he was up against like a like a sharp object. He manages to get free of his bound hands and he grabs a sword. Lotor fights him. Lance gets his sword stuck in the magnetic stone after taking a swing at Lotor. Lotor knocks him over the wall and Lance falls down a cliff into the river below. I just I love it that the, this is another scene that emphasizes how much bigger Lotor is than yeah. regular humans. I mean, this guy's got to be seven feet tall. Yeah, yeah. He's we've seen him when he's when he's fought Keith, and now when he fights Lance. Yeah, we definitely saw how how much bigger he was. And Zarkon is a lot bigger than he is. Right. Yeah, I, I like the the difference in scale there. Sort of emphasizes the uh, alienness. The the King of Lyra says no one has survived a fall from that cliff, and they're pretty much thinking he's dead. Lotor orders his men to find the blue lion and blow it up. He tells the king to get him some of the Rose of Lyra to help Princess Alora. This is where it really gets interesting. 
to find out the uh, the negotiation tactics of this king here. Right. Because the king tells him, and I, and I don't think Lotor knew this, that Zarkon has paid for the Rose of Lyra for his own life-saving elixir and expects Lotor to pay up as well. Well, Lotor says he'll just get the potion from his father. <laughs> but the king tells him it won't work on the princess. The, the one he sold his, um, his father is way too strong, and it may kill the princess. Well, Lotor says, well, how much are you talking? So the king says, 200 bars of gold for an ounce of extract. That's well, the, the, the money is the same in the Golion. He just says uh, 200 bars of gold for one large cylinder of the, of the extract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, probably a little bit more than an ounce. Yeah. Well, Lotor turns the tables on him, draws his sword and holds it to the king's neck, orders him to have the medicine loaded on his ship. King tells his men to do as he says, he also tells the king to hand over all the gold his father paid him previously. So he's going to, you know, above and beyond to, to get at this king. Lotor then orders all the other flowers destroyed. Hagar says she will carry out that order. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, Lance gets back to Blue Lion. He's still alive. And he finds some of the flowers, just as Lotor's men are destroying the flowers near farless people. Well, actually, there's a, a, a little bit, a little important bit that they left out from the Goline version that, you know, they had to for American audiences. Okay. But uh, the, the king, the, uh, the Lyran king there, doesn't make it out of the, of the scene alive. Uh, Lotor, and in fact, he, uh, he does this in, uh, in an upcoming episode, too. He really likes using his sword to more or less remove like relieve a person of their spine Ooh. yeah yeah he uh he slices the king from basically the back of his head down to his belt line oh yeah wow so, so that's that's what he gets for being greedy i guess wow yeah so basically lotor at this point is pretty much cutting all ties with this planet where his father had business with this planet Mm-hmm. So he's not even taking what daddy might want into consideration at all. Right. Yeah, so so we find that, that they're destroying the flowers near Farless people. She tries to stop them, and they push her into the water. They're about to attack them when Blue Lion comes up out of the water and sends missiles at them. Farla gets up out of the water and sees Blue Lion. Lance tends to her, and she's very upset. She says they took the flowers they needed and destroyed the rest. And Lance says that that means there's no hope. You know, there's no hope for his people or the princess. She tells him to take this, this bag of seeds that she holds up, of the Rose of Lyra, take them back to your world, plant them, Care for them well. They will grow and give you enough medicine to cure the ones you love. Lance gets her back to her people and heads for Aris, which is being attacked by Drool forces. There's uh, something only, different here and there. Yeah, if, if only it were that cheerful in the Go Lion episode. 
because yeah. uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the girl's name is Amy, and uh, she gives Lance the seeds and doesn't actually say plant these on your world. She says um, plant these, uh, help the like get the flowers back to the way they were, meaning plant them here. Um, and then she dies. Yeah, and we didn't even see her have anything happen to her that looks like it was life-threatening. Yeah, there was uh, just a, a very brief little bit um, where we see Lance bandaging her right arm. In Voltron, it just looked like he was moving his arms back and forth and not really doing anything. Well, we never saw her arm get hurt. Right. But, but yeah, he's um, he, he applies some first aid, apparently too late. Okay. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe when the, the soldier shoved her, he shoved her with something sharp. I don't know. Okay. But, but, but yeah, he's got some extra motivation now because you know, she basically saves his planet and then dies. Wow. Okay. Well, you're just full of great news, aren't you? Oh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't, sh don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Now, let's, this, let's is, talk this, to, uh... this is a common theme <laughs> in a lot of our episodes. Oh, you remember that person who uh, lived through it and, and went back to their people and lived? Yeah, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> and, yeah and I'm, uh, I'm sort of wondering, because I, like, I watched the, the Voltron series, but um, I didn't have the opportunity to watch all of the Go Lion episodes uh, in years past. Um, so I'm kind of wondering if we're just going to see more and more of this as the series progresses. Like, does it, is it going to just get darker and darker? Yeah, I, I can't see how it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I mean, find out soon. Basically, everybody's ending up like the, the red-shirted ensigns on, on Star Trek. <laughs> Except messier. Yeah. All right, so, all right. So we're back to here, and, and Lotor is telling them he's the only one who can save their princess. So, you know, the, they're being attacked by the Drool Forces. Lotor stops and says, hey, look, I'm the only one who can save your princess. As the lions, both the, the black, the green, and the yellow lion, try to defend the castle, Lotor orders Arobis to attack. The lions get knocked around quite a bit. The noise awakens Alora out of her, you know, her, she's been sick in bed and everything, and Nanny tells her the castle's under attack. Well, Alora, you know, she, she won't stand for this. Even though she's sick, she gets in Red Lion to help, but only gets thrown down by the Robeast. Lance finally appears, and the rest of the team are elated. They form Voltron, they form spinning laser blades, they use the lion torches and the stingray missiles. The Robies jumps up. They form Electro Saber and throw it like a javelin at the Robies, knocking it down. Then they form Blazing Sword and cut the Robies in half. Well, Zarkon now confronts Lotor about destroying the Rose of Lyra, which has been the only thing prolonging his life. Lotor tells him he has the medicine and his gold, and Zarkon is pleased. Yeah. Yeah, in, in Go Lion, Zarkon says, uh, why did you attack planet Amazon without my permission? Lotor says, I hate people who try to haggle. 
<laughs> that's like that's that's his entire motivation. Um, he doesn't have to haggle with anyone ever, pretty much. Right, just right. uses force. Well, on Aris, everyone is healthy and happy again as the princess appears before her people since the first time she got sick, and Lance gets a special kiss from the princess for saving everyone. Pidge says, hey, I was brave too. And he closes his eyes as he gets a special kiss from all four mice. Pidge thought it was four kisses from Alora. Lance says that he has to go back and return the seeds to Farla on Lyra. Alora goes with him, and the people of Lyra are rejoicing to have their Rose of Lyra back. So I guess it didn't end that way in, in Go Lion. Um, well, they, uh, Lance and, uh, the princess are on their way back to, uh, to Lyra slash Amazon. Um, but they're, they're going back to, uh, not only to restore the flowers, but, uh, in honor of Amy's memory. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. They're, they're going to plant flowers of friendship. Okay. Well, I guess that's a good gesture. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a little bit less so than Zarkon's final words to uh, to Lotor after Lotor says, you know, yes, I eradicated all the people, but relax, Dad, I've got the flowers that you need, and I got your treasure back, too. And Zarkon says, and this is a quote, you're my son, all right. Come on back, I'll have the liquor ready and waiting. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Okay. Come on back, son. Let's get drunk. Voltron will be back after these messages. And now, back to Voltron, Defender of the Universe. Now we're moving on to episode 23. The Voltron title is called It Takes Real Lions. The Go Lion episode name is Friday the 13th? Yeah... Yeah, for some reason. I mean, there is a reason. It's just a strange one. It's not clear to us. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> On Doom, Lotor is training a new roe beast, which is, in the beginning, sort of like failing. Mm -hmm. He tells the roe beast to tame the lions. And these are like practice lions that he's working with. And the roe beast does as he commands and defeats the practice lions. So Lotor thinks this, this Roe Beast is ready to take on Voltron. On Aris, Voltron Force is doing practice formations. They get in formation and make a molehill out of a mountain. I can't believe that they're just like destroying their own mountains just for practice. This is something I, I really, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's their nature to do. Well, it makes me wonder about like what safety precautions they took. You know, like I'm watching Mythbusters and they're going to detonate one keg of dynamite and they've got like sirens and, you know, they've got the fire marshal out there and making sure they're, everyone is an adequate distance away. But, you know, on Eris, uh, you know, if you're hiking on the wrong mountain, too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking that this was the, uh, the king's land, you know, that nobody should be on. So right. it's okay right. to do that with sort of like. Parts of Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, with practice over, 
you know, the team takes in a swim in the lake for a change. They, they actually get to relax for a while. Pidge goes in first, followed by Lance and Hunk. Then Keith is about to do a perfect dive when they all see the princess appear in her bikini. Well, upon seeing this, Keith falls in backwards, and the princess does a perfect high dive from the top of Blue Lion. She's down underwater so long that the team starts getting worried, and then they see something rise to the surface. It's her bikini top. Yeah, that, this scene made a big impression on me when I first watched the series. <laughs> so, for a lot of people, this is just, uh, you know strange to watch because you you never see this kind of thing. Number one, them relaxing for a change. Uh, number two, with with a lot less clothes on. Well, Pitch can't you know can't help but go over and grab the the bikini top. And Princess Alora finally comes to the surface on the other side of the team. She says, how was that for perfect form? <laughs> Pitch says, I vote you the most perfect form in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few times when the American version actually gets a little, a little cheekier than the Japanese version. Yeah. Because uh, all Pidge says is, uh, uh, you, you lost something here. And she blushes hugely and says, geez, give it back. And then, then, then we cut to a different scene. Yeah, when she realizes she doesn't have her top, she disappears underwater, embarrassed. Yeah, she uh, in the in Go Lion, she actually comes back up and is, is blushing, and that's when she says, "Geez, give it back, please." Well, back in the castle, Nanny is waiting for the princess to attend to her studies, and they don't know where she is. Karan is sure she's out doing charitable work somewhere. He looks outside, and he sees the princess by the lake in her bikini, and he's shocked. Nanny sees this, and she's shocked. Karan says she needs to learn that her position requires great dignity. Well, as the teen gets some sun by the side of the lake, relaxing, Karan and Nanny, they're calling her Hurricane Nanny, <laughs> run up to get Princess Alora back to her studies. So that's the end of the fun. Nanny and uh, Karan are actually even more judgmental uh, in Go Lion. Um, Karan goes so far as to call the princess's actions deplorable and says uh, the late King Raimon must be spinning in his grave. Yeah, so are royal people not allowed to swim in public or outside at all? Or I guess not. Ever? <laughs> You've got this wonderful lake by, by your castle. Not allowed right. to use it for that. Yeah. Or do they just have indoor pools that nobody else is allowed to, to see them? <laughs> and, uh, you know, if they take such a dim view of public bathing, that might not be a bikini she's wearing. That might just be her underwear. Ah, okay. All right, well, while all this is going on, Hagar is looking into her magic crystal to see if the time is right to attack planet Eris again. They see the team relaxing, thinking Lotor has given up. Lotor thinks their guard is lowered, so now is the time to attack. He thinks there'll be no match against his lion-taming Robeast, and his ship takes off towards Eris. Yeah, that scene is actually where the Japanese title comes from, uh, because 
Honerva tells Syncline, gazing into the crystal ball there, it says to attack from north by northeast on Friday the 13th um, of the 13th month, Galra time. Wow. And, and Syncline says, holy crap, that's tomorrow. <laughs> I better get a move on. <laughs> well, let's go. Actually, actually, what he says is tomorrow I can give the emperor a present of four heads dripping with blood. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. So we're back to being cheerful. Yeah. Okay. At least he doesn't say five heads. Right. Because he wants to save the other one. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Alora is being taught from books on intergalactic diplomacy, and Koran thinks she's not grasping the theory. Nanny locked the door, so Laura couldn't get out. She needs to study her alien languages. Well, Laura and the team see a strange light in the sky. The team checks with Koran. Two alien craft are giving off strong signals and are approaching fast. Lotor's ship and the Robeast are camouflaged as shooting stars. They decide to launch the lions, but the princess is still locked in her room. Karan says this mission is too dangerous to risk the life of the princess. Okay, I think at this point we need to question uh, Karan's post as... Uh, well, actually, in, in uh, Voltron he's supposed to be like a castle diplomat, right? Right. Okay, because in Go Lion they refer to him as strategist. And I've got to say, he's not win winning any Employee of the Month awards here. No, let's 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 keep, you know, one fifth of the Voltron force locked in a room, right. while the others yeah. go to a attack a Robeast. Yeah, yeah. He and he and Nanny are just totally in agreement on this, and uh, yeah, not smart. And and you know, at the same time, oh, what have we used to defeat Robeast in the past? Oh, I don't know, Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> what surprises me here is, is that Keith actually agrees. Yeah. Thinking that four lions would be enough. Because when are four lions ever enough? Yeah. I, that totally shocked me. I'm like, okay, I'm not surprised Karan is saying this. He's done this before. But Keith? <laughs> right. Yeah, and he does the same thing in Go Lion because Pidge says, uh, "Hang on a minute, we can't form Voltron without Princess uh, Well Fala in this in this instance." Yeah, and Keith just says, "Forget complaining, let's get out there." Wow. So, and and here's the other thing: when the first thing that they do when they get towards where where Lotor's ship is, they give him a warning pass. In other words, we're not going to fire on you first. We're going to give you a warning pass, and then let's see what you're up to. Because you and your giant uh, Robeast coffin might not be up to anything bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, upon seeing that, uh, Lotor launches the Robeast. It grows into this enormous size. It's one of the biggest Robeasts they've ever encountered. Lotor thinks the princess is in hiding, and he, he definitely thinks he has the upper hand here. The Voltron force decides to attack the Robeast from the front. Hunk's yellow lion is grabbed by the hands of the Robeast and thrown down. The others shoot missiles at it. 
Roby sends glowing ropes from its extremities and lassos the necks of the three lions. Lotor tells the Robies to hold them while he goes looking for Allura, who has been trying to get someone to let her out of her locked room. <laughs> so Lotor eventually finds her in her bedroom. From his ship, he sends a grappling hook crashing through the window, slides down the line mm -hmm. into her bedroom. Right. Same thing in Golion. And he says she must come back to Planet Doom with him. Right. Well, Karan and Nanny say there's trouble in the princess's room from the control room. They're seeing this. Nanny realizes that she may have been foolish to lock the princess in her room. In the understatement of the episode. <laughs> and just a, a little a little side note here. It, it only shows the screen very, very briefly uh, when uh, Nanny and Karan realize something is wrong in the princess's room. Yeah. But the screen fills up with... Uh, and I, I've, I uh, did some freeze frame stuff here uh, with Spanish. Really? With a, a whole bunch of Spanish. And uh, it, it's, uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish and I used Google Translate for the rest. But what the screen fills up with is a description of an older sailing vessel called the Sahure uh, on a route from, uh, from Egypt and it gives some specifications of uh, length and uh, prop, and uh, it has 30 crew members, and gives a description of the hull and the sail. <laughs> wow, where, where did all this come from? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's just um, the Japanese version of dummy text. Wow. You know, where, where, it, where basically they were saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's on the screen. Uh, we we typically use dummy text. We use Latin, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. But this is a uh, yeah. It's a, a ninety foot long uh, sailing vessel with a yellow brown hull and a cream colored sail. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, you're not going to get that kind of detail anywhere else. But let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast, because <laughs> <laughs> nobody yeah. else probably even cares. It flashed up there on the screen, and I, and I caught the word uh, Amarillo, which is the same that's, as the Texas town Amarillo, which means yellow. That's yellow, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I thought that well, that's not that's not Spanish. I mean, that's not English or Japanese, and so I, I had to go back and obsessively stop the frame at the right point and translate it. Wow. <laughs> okay. Has nothing nothing to do with anything. Right at that. Wow. That's just amazing. The fact that I translated this has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> okay. Just thought I'd throw that out there. All right. So we're back in, in Alora's bedroom. And Lotor tells the princess she is perfection, but if she won't come peacefully, he'll force her. She leans back against her door and it opens up and guards start shooting at Lotor. She tells Koran she has to get the blue lion. Lotor goes after her, but more guards come and fire on him, and he escapes back up to his ship. So worst worst shots ever. Yeah, these guards. Yeah, because I mean they've got like laser machine guns at point blank range, and they can't hit crap. Right, and he had, must have been on on loan from Cobra. Right, I can see when he's running how he could dodge some of those. You know, serpentine, serpentine. Anyway, um, but as you're going up the line to your ship, why can't they hit him? 
Well, yeah, and I mean, he he takes the time to stop and and say, "You you don't have what it takes to defeat the likes of me," as, uh, as he's getting fired at. Yeah, and and then he actually pulls his whole spinal removal thing as one of the soldiers is running away. He he kills both of the ones that are in the room. There. Oh wow! Didn't yeah. didn't see that. <laughs> Okay, well, Alora gets to Blue Lion, and the rest of the lions are still in the Robi's grasp. Alora uses the ion knife mouth weapon to cut the lions holding the lions. They form Voltron. They try to use the eye beam, but that misses. They ignite the lion torches. They hit. The lower lion torches also hit, but the Robi's counters with a light beam that knocks Voltron back. They use Stingray missiles. And then they form Blazing Sword. Blazing Sword, of course, as soon as it comes out, boom, slices the Roe Beast and it explodes. Then Voltron heads back to the Castle of Lions. Zarkon asks Hagar what is happening with Lotor. Hagar says her crystal shows Lotor took Planet Eris by complete surprise and launched the Roe Beast. So he asks, well, who won the battle? And she has to admit to him that, well, Voltron won again. A little bit right before that in the Go Line episode uh, that that I, I really appreciated. It's uh, a little a little moment of introspection on the princess's part, uh, because given what happened in this episode, she's wondering, can I be a ruler and be a member of the Voltron Force? Like, are those two things going to be mutually exclusive? And uh, uh, the, the narrator again says, at this moment, a small grief stole through her heart. And that was, I thought that was a nice little touch, nice little character moment that we didn't quite get in the Voltron episode. Well, um, she does have that, that little introspection at, at the end of the Voltron episode where she realizes that she can now be both a ruler and a defender of Eris as well. <laughs> so it's the exact opposite of <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's that, i mean she's basically standing there with the the powerful music playing in the background as as it builds mm -hmm. up to her having this realization hey you know what i can be ruler of eris and the defender as well i can do both so there and in the and in the japanese version she's thinking oh i don't think i can do both <laughs> i don't know don't know if i can or not Voltron will be back after these messages. And now, back to Voltron, Defender of the Universe. We move on to episode 24. This is probably going to, you know, be one of the silliest episodes you can think of. Because there's not only the, the space mice, but there's alien mice as well. So this Voltron title is called Raid of the Alien Mice. And the Go Lion title is called Look for the Little Shadows. So Alora is wishing on falling stars. She's wishing for peace. The mice wish for cheese. These falling stars, however, are not falling stars. They are alien critters crashing to the ground in their little capsules. And as they crash to the ground, they cause an alarm to go off in the castle. After scanning, they notice some small critters roaming the castle. Pitch thinks it's the space mice. Alora believes 
the space mice when they say it wasn't them. But the rest of the crew goes back to bed. And until a door gets blown up in a section of the castle. They investigate again and only see Cheddar, who was trying to find out who the real culprits were. Nanny says the explosion was caused from the mice nibbling on things. Alora refuses to believe it was them. And as they check the rest of the electrical circuits, the power goes out and the team heads for the generator. Since the power's out, the automatic door won't open, so a hunk opens the door using sheer strength. Is there anything different going on in this in this episode at all so far? Not really. Wow. Not really. Um, this one is more similar uh, between the two versions than practically any of the others that we've reviewed. Okay. That's pretty good. I mean, th there are differences here and there, like when, uh, when Hunk is opening the doors in Voltron, he says, I don't lift all those weights for nothing. Right. And in the Go Lion episode, he says, and you know, <laughs> that's about it. There's no, no weightlifting reference, but I mean, the, the differences are tiny. Right. Okay. All right. So, so Hunk opens the door in the dark of the room. They see evil red eyes that start shooting lasers at them. The Voltron force returns fire. Finally, Keith finds a flashlight, shines it in the room to find out that they are like killer mice. And there's lots of them. Hagar is looking in her crystal ball again, and she sees the Voltron Force has discovered her deadly creatures. Lotor thinks she's getting old and foolish. He told her a pack of mice could not destroy the castle. She says that's only part of her plan. Zarkon says there's no end to Hagar's evil. She tells them the rodents are paralyzing the castle's computer systems, and while they are weakened, She'll send a robeast to finish them off. I, I actually think it's a, a pretty good plan uh, that she has here. Um, it makes me think, are you aware of the, uh, I don't think it was ever actually deployed, but the World War II uh, allied weapon called the Bat Bomb? No, I'm not aware of that. This guy came up, and this is like... This is like the kind of thing that you'd expect from, from the early stages of DARPA. Uh, this, this weirdo, out-of-the-box thinking. Yeah. Um, but this guy suggested that you get a whole bunch of bats. And I'm not talking about baseball bats. I mean actual flappity-flappity bats. And attach little incendiary devices to their feet uh, with timed fuses. And release them near uh, or maybe out of a plane over... Uh, an enemy city. The bats would then go, and this is, you release them during the day, and the bats would go into the city, find some dark place, and wait until dark. Well, uh, right around sunset is when the incendiary devices would go off, and all of a sudden, all those hundreds of bats would turn into little incendiary bombs, and you'd burn the city down. Uh, and the bats along with them. Well, yeah, those bats would be making, I guess, a noble sacrifice. Suicide uh, bats. Kamikaze bats. Yeah. Um, and it got approved. The, the U.S. military said, yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Uh, but the war ended before it ever got used. Plus, that would be a lot of bats. Yeah, well, they didn't have any shortage of bats at the time. Wow. We kind of we, we do now. 
but uh, but I mean, it's kind of along the same principle. You get these god awful destructive little creatures, release them into a structure. You know, it's going to be next to impossible to track them all down, uh, or at least it should be. So, uh, of all of Hagar's plans, I think this one is my favorite. Wow. All right. Well, you know, I think we've seen uh, some things where there have been plans that she's had in the past where she herself has infiltrated the castle. Right. And, you know, she's been pretty successful with it, at least to a certain extent, before the, the Voltron Force finally stop her. But it seems like it's pretty easy to infiltrate the castle. Yeah, once again, Eris's security, not the best. Yeah. As the evil mice cause more problems, knocking out cameras, Keith has the doors sealed, but the mice are able to melt through the metal and escape. They're trying to stop the mice from reaching the main computer. Cheddar volunteers to find them. Princess tells him to be careful, and they end up putting a collar around his neck to track him. And while the team guards the main computer room, and you know it's the main computer room, because they're standing in front of a doorway that says MC Room. <laughs> but we all understand main computer room. Okay? <laughs> well, you know, um, it actually, things are a little plainer in Golion, too, because the, the mice talk. Like, they actually have dialogue. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, the, in, in Voltron, it's just sort of the R2-D2 thing where they make a bunch of noise and the, the, the human characters act like they understand them. Right. Uh, but the Golion mice... And I don't actually recall them doing it in earlier episodes, but in this, they're they're like uh, enemies, enemies, squeak. <laughs> and it's funny in the, the the subtitles it actually says squeak. <laughs> yeah, it starts getting really silly at this point. Okay, yeah. because while they're they're guarding that main computer room, Cheddar leads the space mice down the hall until he spots one of the killer mice. The team pursues, and the killer mice are coming right at them with the eye, eye lasers blaring. So they're no longer protecting that, that room door. They're going straight after the mice. And with the eye lasers blaring at them, the team ducks for cover, and then the killer mice just go past them. And then they go to the main computer and room. And then they go to the main computer room, and they melt through the doors and go in. And Keith stands there, perplexed. Yeah, we gotta stop them. Okay, how do you propose to do that? Well, Karan at the same time is now reporting that a robeast is outside the castle. So Keith tells Princess and Pidge to guard the computer while the rest get to the lions. Say, so if five of us weren't able to, to get those mice, two of us will be able to, okay? It's just common logic, right? Oh, and it... It gets even more logical than that pretty soon, yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith tells Karan he's not getting enough power to launch the Lions. Karan says the solar generator is shot. Well, Keith says they need to run for it. So they start, you know, just physically, instead of taking the, the zip lines down to their Lions and everything, they're actually running towards their Lions at their Lions' dens. 
Isn't it going to take a while for for Hunk and and, and Lance? Lance to get to their lines? And and isn't the point the whole point with Lance's line being in a volcano that you really can't get to it from the outside? Those are good questions. Okay. Uh, I I have another one. Um, the black lion is sitting up there completely exposed on top of a big pedestal. Right. I can see why they would go after that one, but they're going to have to climb to get to it. But why doesn't the robeast attack the exposed driverless <laughs> lion? I don't know. I don't know, especially since they're going towards it too, right? But I will say this robeast has my favorite name of any robeast that I've ever encountered because the in the Go Lion episodes the robeasts usually have names. Yeah, they don't have names. The, they just call them robeasts and in, in the, and, and 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 they're not called robeasts. They're called death black beast men. Ah. Um, but uh, the lion tamer one was called Kalman, K A U M A N. Um. The other was the others usually have, and that makes me think that Coleman used to be like a dude that Lotor knew, you know, like uh, like Romel's brother that got turned into the Robeast, like you know he he got Private Coleman out of the ranks and turned him into the Lion Tamer, right? But uh, but the others have had names like uh, Death Beetle and Kill Wrestler, uh, but the one in this episode is called Cat Gun. <laughs> Cat gun. Which, cat gun. C A T G U N. Cat gun. Wow. Which I loved because that's that's what I uh, that's what I call it when I pick up my uh, one of my cats and act like he's an Uzi and make uh, machine gun noises. Wow. <laughs> maybe maybe they would use cat gun in case the killer mice got out of control. This is a whole cat and mouse theme going here in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Okay. Well. Okay. It's <laughs> really all you can say. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So so here we are, the, the, the three of them, Keith, uh, Lance, and Hunk, are running towards their lions. Lotor watches them running to their lions and laughs, like the rest of us. And uh, he's having the Robies fire upon them, and they have to jump in the lake to avoid the blasts. Then they get out of the lake and take cover in the trees, which are getting picked off one by one by the Robies. Well, the princess sends Cheddar into the computer to chase the evil mice out. Okay, sounds like a good plan. Well, Cheddar is a braver mouse than I would be, because uh, it's it's Platt. His name is Platt in Go Lion, but you know she says, "Hey, go drive those those killer alien." heat beam eye having giant rats out of the computer and Platt's like no sweat I got it <laughs> you just wait right here I'll be right back yeah well he he finds the evil mice and he starts making funny faces at them to taunt them so that they'll follow him out mm -hmm. well they do chase him but he doesn't go back the way he came he, he gets cornered they get into a fist fight because they started firing their 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 eyes lasers at him and he kept on dodging it so they're like well that's not going to work so hey let's go to fisticuffs what do you say yeah right <laughs> well it, it doesn't go so well for him in the beginning because they're like five times as big as him he gets knocked mm -hmm. back and then through the tracker that he's wearing around his neck the princess co contacts him and says hey remember to use that karate chop that pitch taught you 
So he does, and he knocks the three evil mice down. Because he hits the first one, and the other, the other two get hit by the first one. So he he gets past them, and then they eventually, you know, wake up and they chase him out. And as he gets them out, Pidge fires on them, knocking them out. Well, a couple of a couple of things worth mentioning. Um, in Go Lion, the princess does not tell the mouse, "Hey, remember to use that karate chop." Yeah. Um, she says, "Hey, don't fight them head on." lure them out here and instead of trying to fight the next time one of the rats throws a punch platt just dodges to one side and the i don't remember if this is in voltron or not but the rat punches an electrical conduit and gets shocked which platt looks yeah yeah they did show that they did show that part okay yeah they did and yeah and then she just says um get past them lure them out here so it's not that he gives the rat a karate chop. It's just that the, like, he just shoves him, shoves him after he's been weakened by getting almost electrocuted. Right. The way, the way it looks is he dodges. The, the, the one rat hits the electrical thing, gets shocked. And then it looks like uh, Cheddar does the karate chop thing, which knocks him back. But it really wasn't that, probably. No, you know, and I'm looking at it in Go Lion, and I don't think, I don't think Platt hits him at all. Okay. I think he's just standing there with his back to us in the foreground. I think it's the impact of the of the shock that sends him flying back. Sends him flying. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Platt just uh, hauls butt away. But the uh, the other thing that I watched it in the Voltron episode, and I was really hoping for some kind of explanation in the Go Lion episode, and there wasn't one there either. Uh, we watched something like three or four dozen alien death beam rats run into the main computer and then Platt goes in and encounters three of them. Right. And it's three of them to chase him out and Pidge zaps those three and they're like, okay, rat problem solved. Well, in, in <laughs> all right. If you're, if you're paying attention to it at that small level, sure. But you remember the movie Independence Day, right? But, 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 but three versus four dozen, three rats versus four dozen rats. That's a, that's that's not a small level of detail. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying you're only looking at it in the one location. The rest of the 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 rats, the killer rats, were in other locations. So what happened was, just like in Independence Day, they knocked down one of those ships, and they told the rest of them, "Look, this is how you knock them out. Now, now go do it." All right, and then that's how the rest of the world knocks out all those other ships. And that's the same thing that happens in this one. I'm telling you. I know it. This is how it happens. <laughs> oh, so they Mark, just say, is, "Okay, we figured the... out how to to lure these mice out of the open, so we can blast them." That is reaching, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, because later on, this is going to come into play. Okay, there's 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 one section where they actually announce what happened. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm, I might have missed that then. Okay. Well. As as Lance, Hunk, and Keith are running for their lions, the Roby sends flames through the forest in front of them. So they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> all the alien mice were destroyed, the main computer's back, and power's restored because somebody on the comlink tells Koran that at the control center. Okay? That's what they say. <laughs> and that whole story that I gave you just a minute ago is the reason why. 
Okay. All right, I'll accept that. So the princess and Pidge head to their lines, while the other three guys have fire in front of them, road beast behind them. Princess ends up putting out the fire by sending water from Blue Lion's mouth, clearing the way for Lance, Punk, and Keith. So Princess picks them up with her claws and then deposits them back to the castle. She goes after the road beast, but both Blue Lion and the Green Lion are grabbed by the road beast and held. The other three head to their lions, and they fire enough blasts at the road beast that he lets go of both Green and Blue Lions. Or anything different there? And I'm glad because he was shaking them like maracas. Yeah, it looked like he could I mean, have just squeezed them and, and destroyed them. It put me in mind of, uh, of Jim Carrey singing Cuban Pete in The Mask. <laughs> okay. Just standing there shaking those lions around. <laughs> okay, well, so that, that that's enough to let go of both the green and, and the blue lions. So then the team force Voltron. And Robeast uh, tries to use a spinning mace type of tool, but Voltron forms Blazing Sword and slices through it and the Robeast. Nanny, at the end here, gives the mice some of the best cheese from her pantry because the space mice, you know, had made such a heroic effort to save the castle. So, and, and of course, Pidge tries to take some, but they don't, they don't let him take it. And that's pretty much yeah, it. Did. He gets chased down and beaten up by a mouse. <laughs> hey, Cheddar's been through a little bit here. I, I think he has a certain new level of confidence now. True, true, very true. Yeah. I think there might have been uh, sort of an implication in the uh, the Go Line episode, and and this may be the most important point that I will ever make about the Voltron franchise. I think it's implied that when Platt uh, got his tail caught in that mousetrap that Nanny set, he might have actually been trying to get some cheese. Wow. Not, not just looking for the, uh, the, the death beam glowing eye space rats. He might have actually been trying to pill for some cheese. Wow. Might have, might, yeah, he, Platt might not be 100% perfect. Yeah. Once again, nothing to do with anything. <laughs> well, it it seems to be a common thread across any of the episodes that involve the mice that they have a one-track mind for cheese. <laughs> right. Mice are not interested in anything else but cheese. It seems. And and stowing away in uh, the princess's jumpsuit. Right. So, here we are. We've we've reached the end of another four episodes reviewed. What do you think? I'm glad that we ended on that particular one because the other three were pretty freaking depressing. Yeah, you you <laughs> you had a way of, of turning it around from the goal line perspective on on a, a few of those, and there were yeah. there were no major deaths in this one. Yeah, and uh, the the goal line episode was was virtually identical to the to the uh, Voltron, which. Kind of makes me wonder if someone in, in management on the Japanese end said, uh, hey, people, you just depressed the heck out of me with these last three episodes. Let's do something fun. Yeah, I think that I think that happens a lot. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking when they go through the, the production schedules and stuff like that and they realize, you know, it's, it's the same as if you're a DJ on the radio. You really can't put too many ballads in a row 
Right. You you have to have some up tempo songs in there to to lighten things up. Mhm. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that's the way it works. You need to mix it up a little bit. But uh yeah, I'm kind of glad they did. But I I'm kind of getting worried here because uh you know, at some point there's they've said this, you know, when we did interviews with the the production crew before. They said that there were some episodes that were so heavily laden with with you know stuff that they couldn't show mm-hmm. that they had to like almost take out the whole episode. Yeah, I believe it. So I'm wondering it. at at some point here, are we going to come up with the part where there's a goal line episode, but we don't have any matching Voltron episode? <laughs> I'm not sure. It makes me think about uh, watching uh, an episode of uh, Battle of the Planets. Yeah. Versus the the original Japanese. Gotcha, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in the the Battle of the Planets episode, this girl's father gets killed by a giant monster. And when she has the opportunity to hit a button and launch a missile and kill the giant monster, she says, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, the sanctity of life means too much. And uh, Je- the, I forget the, the leader of the team's name. Jason? Uh, Mark. 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 Close to Jason. Well, there's Jason, Mark, Keop, Tiny, and Princess. Right, uh, right. Jason might... I thought it was Mark, but it might be Jason. I don't well, know. It, they've sort of the, got like the, a Keith and Lance kind of thing going on. Right, right. Well, the head honcho says uh, to the girl, I'm I'm proud of you for, for not uh, hitting the button there. In the, got, in the Gachamon episode, uh, girl's father gets killed by the giant monster. She has the opportunity to hit the button, kill the monster. And... Uh, and the leader of the team says, okay, go ahead and do it. And she says, I, I don't know. I don't think I can. And he slaps her across the face, says, do not dishonor the memory of your father, and grabs her hand and makes her push the button. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if we're, gonna, if we're going to find some uh, vastly different uh, differences coming up. Wow. Yeah, I imagine something, something's got to give there. You know, well, you know, I'm I'm happy to um, to besmirch and perhaps even ruin people's childhood memories. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah, you know, we 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 do it all for the fans. But like we said at the beginning, once a Voltron fan, always a Voltron fan. That's right. So just because you go back and you, and you take a look at Golion doesn't mean you're going to stop being a Voltron fan. You can you can pretend Golion didn't exist, or you might appreciate it more. From seeing the Golion perspective. Exactly. But, exactly. but that doesn't Good necessarily point. mean you're going to give up on Voltron. Right. Oh, of course not. No. No. So, you know, there's a lot of things that, that came out of the Voltron episodes that were pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know, we were able to get what was Sven's brother, you know, in the, in the original Golion, mm-hmm. will be Sven coming back for us. Right. You know, so that's that's something we can look forward to and when we get to those episodes. Those are still a little ways off. Right. But uh, the next time you and I get together, we will be doing episodes 25, 26, 27, and 28. So we look forward to doing that with the rest of you guys. Is there anything you want to say before we go, Dan? Um... No, I think I've ruined enough people's days. 
<laughs> I, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us on Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast, and we'll see you next time on Let's, Let's Voltron. Voltron.